On today's episode, Girl Boss teams up with Man Repeller for an action-packed Super Friend Time mashup. Fighting societal norms, rebelling against singular definitions, and plotting world domination. But first, in order to dominate, we're going to need some healthy snacks. I want to talk about Daily Harvest. So you guys have seen a mouth-watering healthy smoothie or acai bowl on Instagram or Pinterest or basically wherever you are getting your FOMO inspiration from and thought, oh my God, why don't I eat this? Why do I have this pizza slice in front of me? Like, who has the time to make these beautiful foods and take photos of them? Well, forget taking photos of them, but you can have the beautiful foods. Wouldn't it be great if you could get those picture-perfect nutrients without having to hit the farmer's market and chop up all those vegetables and have all that garbage clogging up your sink? Ugh. So now you can get your superfoods super fast with Daily Harvest. They send superfoods straight to your door with your choice of smoothies, activated breakfast bowls, or nice cream vegan sundaes. And what else, Jericho? That sounds nice. Uh, well, each <laughs> single serve cup comes ready to blend or heat. It's stored in the freezer, so they're ready whenever you are. Also, their produce is organic and unrefined, and it looks as pretty as it tastes. You can actually see all of the whole ingredients when you open the cup. That's what food actually is for those of you who um, are eating things in plastic wrappers. Daily Harvest freezes all of their ingredients at peak freshness, sealing in the nutritional value. And it's ready in 30 seconds. It's like the easiest thing ever. So you can be an influencer or just a healthy person with Daily Harvest. So go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code GIRLBOSS to get three items free off your first box. That's promo code GIRLBOSS for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. That's D-A-I-L-Y-H-A-R-V-E-S-T.com. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girlboss Media, and this is Girlboss Radio. When Leandra Medine started her website, Man Repeller, back in 2010, she had no idea what it would become. You know, it started as a site about trends that women love and men hate and has really grown to encapsulate a lot of feminist theory. The highest calling has completely remained the same, which has always been to make women feel further understood and less like they're alone. At the time, she was a journalism student at the New School in New York trying to figure out how she could land a job after graduation. I thought to myself, here I have a journalism degree. I know what makes a good piece of content. I know how to determine who's a good writer and who's not. Why don't I give this a try? Little did she know that she was about to fill a void in women's media. She created a place where women could join together to be heard and understood. And I think that's why people come to Man Repeller, because we have fostered and developed this incredible community of interested and interesting women. And for as great as the articles that go up are, because 
I feel that we have some of the best writers on the internet working here. The comments are so thoughtful, and often the conversation that occurs under the stories is even more intriguing than the stories themselves. Man Repeller explores a whole constellation of things from a place of openness and humor with the conviction that an interest in fashion doesn't minimize one's intellect. Today, we'll talk about style, fashion, about the term influencer, and whatever else we feel like talking about, damn it. But first, I'm sitting here with Jericho Mandibur, Editorial Director at Gilboss. Hello. Hello. Jericho, mm-hmm. we're only days away from the Girl Boss rally in New York. Are you excited? It's thrilling. So it's going to be a full day of panels, fireside chats, networking workshops, headshots, tons of yummy food, mm-hmm. and some incredible speakers. Jericho, tell us who's going to be there. I'm especially excited for Esther Perel who's like the world's leading sex and relationships psychotherapist and author. And also Elaine Welteroth from Teen Vogue, Whitney Wolf, founder and CEO of Bumble, Lisa Price, founder and CEO of Carol's Daughter, Leandra Medine, of course, Beth Comstock, Amani Alcatad Bay. Oh, and Ashley Graham. Yes. Mic drop. <laughs> yes. But if you don't live in New York City or you couldn't make it to the rally in real life, don't worry. We have you covered. You can buy digital tickets to the rally to see every single speaker on stage from the comfort of your own damn home. Just go to www.g.media and you'll get access to a full day's worth of video content for only $65. It's just like being with us at the rally, but you can be naked in bed eating pizza Mm-hmm. And learning at the same time. So if you want to stay on top of what's happening at the rally in real time, make sure you're following at Girlboss on Twitter and Instagram and Girlboss Media on Facebook for all the highlights, including some live streams, speaker insights, and plenty of behind-the-scenes moments. And what's the hashtag we're going to be using, Jericho? Hashtag Girlboss Rally. See you guys there. All right, so enough about that. I want to talk about Pinterest. So, Sophia, we have this partnership with Pinterest, as you know, and it's all about getting you, not Sophia, I mean you, the listener, to try new things. Well, me too. I'm going to do it. Okay, you can do it too. You're included. And listen up because you can win some prizes if you do. Basically, what you have to do is every week you have to use the hashtag what if Wednesday when you're trying the new thing that we ask you to try. And just by doing so, you could appear on the Girlboss website. You could win one of three copies of Sophia's new book, the Girlboss workbook, signed copies. You could also be one of two people to win free tickets to the next Girlboss rally in March, which is in LA. So let's get to it. What if you tried something new to invest in your personal growth? Personal growth isn't just like a one-woman show, you know, it involves loved ones like friends. So why don't you make your best friend feel extra special today? Sophia, how would you make your best friend feel super special? Well, I would send her flowers. I love sending flowers. And I just love flowers. I love picking them out of people's yards and taking pictures of them. Mm -hmm. So we're encouraging you to buy your bestie a bunch of flowers today to show you that she's your ride or die. Take a peek at our hashtag What If Wednesday Pinterest board to get a hit of totally non-tacky floral inspiration. And if you want to use it to inspire yourself to buy yourself fresh flowers more often, even better. Using hashtag What If Wednesday, hashtag Girl Boss Radio, and hashtag My Pinterest on Instagram, share a bunch of flowers and tell us what your best friend means to you. She'll love you for it. We'll be sharing our faves on GirlBoss.com and you might just win one of these rad prizes. Like... A girl boss workbook, but I already have one. You know what I like? What? Soft 
towels. When I get out of the shower, I want to be swaddled by myself in mm-hmm. a big comfy towel from Parachute Home. So if you guys don't know, we've talked about Parachute Home a lot on this show. Jericho loves their sheets. Love them. They're made of linen, but this is like feeling like a baby. These towels are made in Turkey, where I hear the best towels are made using the finest long staple cotton sourced from the Aegean region. If you can't spell that, it's A-E-G-E-A-N. So they're all natural. You're not going to get your body sick, your baby sick using these towels. Uh, They're so, so soft using innovative aero cotton technology. The fibers are spun so that air passes through the cotton, which creates exceptionally absorbent quick-drying trowels. These are no plastic towels where you're just like sliding water down your body and doesn't actually go anywhere. These are absorbent, soft, beautiful towels for swaddling the baby, the adult baby. That is you. That is you. They have a suite of towels to choose from. Towels, bath sheets, a bath sheet, if you don't know, is 66% larger than a towel. Hand towels, washcloths, because you should be washing your face with one. I still think it's the best exfoliant. Oh, yeah. Washcloths. And they also make the perfect bathrobe plus tub mats, bath rugs, and shower curtains. So go to parachutehome.com slash girlboss for free shipping and returns. And they offer a 60-night trial, so you can, like, dry yourself up, like, so many times. And if you don't love it, send it back. No questions asked. Again, that is parachutehome.com slash girlboss for free shipping and returns. And now I'd like to introduce you to Leandra Medine, the millennial mastermind behind Man Repeller. Tell me about your childhood. Where did you grow up? And when did you start working? And what what did you start doing when you started working? I grew up in Manhattan. So I'm born and raised, in, or I was born, and I have been raised in the city on the Upper East Side, which feels like a very different world from the one that I inhabit now. I started working when I was 17, or 16 really. I was a junior in high school, and uh, my first job was as in, as a fashion intern at Valentino, and I did that as part of a work-study program for credit at my high school. And then that summer is actually when I got my first real job, which was as a secretary at a plastic surgeon's office. <laughs> it was so awesome. I made like $500 a week. That was more money than I had ever seen in my entire life. It's not bad. Yeah, it was, that's good, right? <laughs> Did you get a discount? At the plastic surgeon? Well, I, I didn't get any plastic surgery, but perhaps I could have. One wild thing, however, that happened is uh, the plastic surgeon who I was working for, it was like a small family practice. I think it was him and like his brother who ran the office. He he got a new camera in one day, and he asked me to come into the back room and was like, can I just take some test shots on you? And I was like, yeah, sure. And this is like usually where... Uh, the trigger occurs, right? And something terrible happens. He took some regular test shots. And then like six months later, one of my mother's friends was in there because she was thinking about getting fillers. And she's flipping through a book of before and afters. And there's a picture of me in the book. And she's like, oh my God, that's my friend's daughter. She, what is she doing in here? What, where does she get work done? And the doctor was like, oh, no, no, no. She, she hasn't gotten anything done, but she was my secretary over the summer. And, you know, I just put it in here to show, look, even the 17-year-old girl has really terrible bags under her eyes. <laughs> it's like my favorite story of all time. Oh, my God. 
And then you went to you went to the new school. I did. And studied journalism. You're one of the few people I feel like who have actually used their degree. <laughs> yeah. Did you always want to be a writer? I'm not sure. I was always really interested in fashion, and I think I always thought that I was going to be in fashion. And my answer to this question has changed a lot over the course of the past seven years or however long I've been uh, asked it. But I was always really interested and fascinated by magazines. You know, like in in my dream reality, I was always an (laughs) editor-in-chief. But when I was at the new school... Because of the students that I was among and because of the new authors and writers that I was turned on to and because of the exposure to different kinds of writing that I had, that I had seen and that I was lucky to be around, uh, my, my perspective of perception of what was like smart and good writing completely changed. And I was, you know, one of the people that I sort of advise against who thought that in order to be smart, you couldn't work in fashion. So it was really in college where I felt like whatever job I get needs to be a job outside of fashion because it's too obvious that a person who looks like me is going to like work at a magazine. So mm-hmm. I was really gunning for a job at like NY Mag or The New Yorker. Are you disappointed that didn't work out? <laughs> Do you ever think about that? Uh, no, no, I'm not disappointed at all that it didn't work out. Although I still love New York Magazine so much that I, if they offered me a job, I, I might take it. You're never fully dressed without self-confidence, and Leandra's celebration of man repelling inspires women to dress for themselves. You know, I've always had really low self-esteem, and I feel like fashion was a fantastic way for me to hide behind some armor. And that sounds funny because I'm so um, I'm so willing to try anything out with fashion, and I'm not afraid to test and explore. But there's definitely a fundamental difference between not caring what other people think of you and having low self-esteem. I just never. I never thought a lot of myself, if that makes any sense, you know? So I used fashion as a way to cover that up. And I've been doing that for as long as I can remember, for as long as I've been able to, for I guess as long as I've been old enough to uh, make thoughtful decisions about what I put on my person. And when did you start writing about fashion? I heard there was um, like an early you know, blog was called Boogers and Bagels. <laughs> yeah, that... that blog is still on the internet, but it's password protected. Oh my god! I don't remember the I don't remember the password, so not even I can access it. But I started writing about fashion really early. Actually, I remember when the Gossip Girl books were were just were newly out thinking to myself that I could write a much better version of them. And so I started writing these fake chapters of a fake book about this girl living in New York City who was still in high school, or actually she was in middle school because she was my age, and she wanted to work in fashion, and she landed this internship, and it was it was like my first and last foray into fiction, and please God, I hope that no one ever sees it, <laughs> but I have always used fashion as a vehicle to express myself, and that's been true in my writing for about as long as I've been writing, which is probably something like 15 years. Do you consider yourself a journalist? I do. I consider myself a journalist. I do research. I interview people. Yeah. Are you an editor-in-chief? Uh, I think that depends on how on how one defines editor-in-chief. Do you feel like you achieved the, the, the lofty editor-in-chief life that you once dreamed of? 
I, do I feel like I have the life of an editor in chief? Yes. Do I feel like it is as lofty, lofty. as the one that I Lofty, no. yeah, that's a it's tough so question. Much work. It's just like, do you? F- and it's really not glamorous. Yeah. So let's talk about the less than glamorous aspects of running a business. Man Repeller was kind of an overnight success, wasn't it? It seems like you just came out of the gate and people were like really fascinated by what you were doing and that there was this- Yes, which is a blessing and a curse. Tell me about that. Well, when you see so much success so early on and you're so used to hearing yes and not no, and frankly not having any doors shut in your face, you don't really develop the resilience that is required of a really good founder and CEO. Yeah, I relate to that. <laughs> yeah, so so I think the last couple of years have been an interesting learning curve for me. And in the past like six or seven months, I've really pushed myself to do something every day that I wouldn't otherwise do. Do something that I'm like afraid to do. Email someone who I wouldn't otherwise email, reach, you know, whatever it is, just because I feel like uh, the art of failing and failing fast or just being told no is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that comes with a team now. How big is your team today? We're still pretty small, 16 people, not including myself. I mean, that's small, but that's a real company culture. Yeah, definitely. What is what is it like to work for you? I think it must not be that fun. Oh, why? <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say, but I don't I don't really fancy or reckon myself a very good manager. You know, I think I've got the visionary thing down and I I definitely maintain leadership qualities through and through, but um about a year and a half ago, I made a decision not to manage anybody but our three most senior employees and I think that was the smartest decision that I've made as a founder because I get really you know anxious and overwhelmed and caught up and I I would like to protect my employees from that Mm -hmm. yeah same (sighs) I want to go back to the beginning though when did you know that you were onto something with Man Repeller it took a really long time for the first like two and a half years that I was operating I essentially felt like I was just riding a wave, waiting for it to crash. And my thinking was, let me make as much money from this thing as I can before I have to go out and get a real job so that I have some version of a cushion when I'm forced to go out and get a real job. And then probably around, if I launched in 2010, let's say probably around the end of 2012, I was like, wait, this could actually be my job. And I think part of the reason... I felt that way is because I saw uh, Instagram becoming more and more popular. And with the popularity of Instagram, it became very clear to me that all of the intrinsic benefits that my users were reaping from manrepeller.com as a personal style blog, they could now get through their mobile devices. And I thought to myself, here I have a journalism degree. I know what makes a good piece of content. I know how to determine who's a good writer and who's not. Why don't I give this a try and, you know, hire people? And so that's what I did. What does make a good piece of content? Anything that anything that pushes you to feel, anything that, that you walk away from having viscerally connected with, whether in a good way or a bad way. Obviously preferable if it's in a good way. Leandra has built a talented team of writers, photographers, and editors to help her create fresh content on the Man Repeller site every day. It's a giant leap from blog to media company. I asked Leandra to talk to us about how she recognized that Man Repeller had outgrown its origins. 
I hired my first team member at the end of 2012. She was my intern, and uh, she she came on as an assistant and went on to operate as like our visual assets manager. The really early days were essentially like me and my parents in my bedroom in my parents' apartment on the Upper East Side. And, you know, I'd wake up around 8.30 or 9 and pull my computer directly into my lap and sit at it for like two or three hours and just write the first post and answer emails. And then I'd get up and brush my teeth and drink a coffee and then actually start my day around like 11 or 11.30. Um, And I look back now and it was so delightful. I mean, I was working 24-7, but it was just me. And I don't want to say it was easy because it was a lot of work. And I, I very explicitly decided to hire people because I didn't want to be the center of this business anymore. But it's so nice to not have to answer to anyone or to have anyone waiting on you. I mean, the flexibility associated with just being able to do what you want and to not have to explain it to anyone. Oh, God, what Mm -hmm. a treat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't remember a time where... My yeah. life felt like so that. So that's what the early days were like. And and I mean, I until up until employee like number five, it still felt kind of like that, where it was super, super fluid and nimble. And we're making this decision right now, and it's going into action 20 minutes from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't happen as much anymore, which is annoying because I'm super impatient. Why do you think people clung to Man Repeller? You know, why do you think initially, I mean, you guys do so much more now than you were doing at the, in the beginning. What do you think it is about your voice or what have people said to you about, you know, what you guys are creating that really sticks with them? Well, for as much as Man Repeller has changed, you know, it started as a site about trends that women love and men hate and has really grown to encapsulate a lot of feminist theory. The highest calling has has completely remained the same, which has always been to make women feel further understood and less like they're alone. I always wanted to recreate the feeling that I felt when I watched Sex in the City, which was like, here are these women who don't know who I am, who are fictitious characters, and yet for whatever reason, whenever I'm brought into their world, I feel like I'm not alone, like somebody gets me, and like I'm with my girlfriends, you know, with my really cool girlfriends, who you don't expect to be nice, but are actually super kind, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that is the energy that I wanted to recreate with Man Repeller, and I think we succeeded really, really well in doing that. And I think that's why people come to Man Repeller, because we have fostered and developed this incredible community of interested and interesting women. And for as great as the articles that go up are, because I feel that we have some of the best writers on the internet working here, Um, the comments are so thoughtful and often the conversation that occurs under the stories is even more intriguing than the stories themselves. What makes for a good story? What performs? Like what, what does your audience really love? Uh, that's such a transactional question. It, (laughs) it, I mean, the, the stories that perform aren't necessarily the ones that we always run. Mm. Uh, gut is a really important piece of producing good content. In my opinion, we can, or we could go and use SEO and determine what is performing across the board and only produce stories that are beauty how to's and like 
health myth debunking. And we do some of that for sure. But I would say that we are more motivated by gut than anything else. And, and therefore, the recipe for our success is a little bit harder to turn into a math equation. What are your edit meetings like? Like, you know, what's the range of ideas that come to the table? How do you guys find inspiration as a team? How do you keep your team doing that every day? I don't think I need to keep them doing that. Uh, when you've been writing for long enough, you start to view the world through the lens of a question, which is, is that a story? Suddenly you're no longer living to live. You're living for the story. It's like what uh, Nora Ephron's mother used to say, everything is copy. Mm -hmm. And you definitely find that at our weekly edit meetings. So what will happen is on Monday mornings, the edit team will come together, we'll go through the previous, or we'll go through, yes, the previous week's content, high performers, low performers, why the ones that's, that worked did, why the ones that didn't did not. And that's sort of like the the data piece. And then we'll go through what's in the pipeline for the week. And then at the end of the meeting, there's a pitch section. And that's when the editors talk through some of the ideas that they've had over the weekend or the course of the latter half of the previous week. And all of the ideas are really born out of the lives that these writers are living. And then how do you choose what gets, I mean, are you the one choosing? Do you have an editor who's making the choices? What does that look like? Yeah, I'm pretty involved in what goes up and what does not. But Amelia, who's our head of creative, is sort of like in the field, you know, making sure that everything is running and the stories are perfect. Between Amelia, Harling, our digital editor, or sorry, Haley, our digital editor, and Harling, our fashion editor, um, the decisions are are pretty near concluded by the time they land on my desk. And then just for our listeners, what's the difference between a a digital editor and a fashion editor? Because everything that you do is digital. Yeah. So our digital editor is editing a lot of the content that goes up on Man Repeller and our fashion editor is working on a lot of the fashion stories that go up on Man Repeller. Cool. Our fashion editor is really a writer more than an editor. Yeah, there's a lot of fashion editors that seems like they just like pick out clothes, like just mm. Yeah, that's really more of a market editor. Yeah. Yep. Let's talk about Instagram. How do you feel like social media or I mean Instagram in particular has ch- has changed the course of your life and your business? How do I feel like Instagram has changed the course of my life? That is such a lofty question. It's a, I mean, it has for um, so many people. You're, yeah, yeah. you're no, a quote-unquote influencer. I, 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 mean, do such, I, I don't do well with such absolutes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I for sure it's changed my life. I'm just, it's been good and bad. Yeah. You know, it's like Instagram has sucked up so many hours from my life and it it definitely induces a sense of FOMO and the days and weeks that I spend not going on it feel much more wholesome and plentiful than the ones that I do. I never come out of an Instagram hole feeling like, man, that was worth it or that was really good. Yeah. You know, I never feel better about myself when I'm when I'm done scrolling through Instagram. But to that, it's also been an incredible, incredible resource and platform of discovery. I have found so many of the graphic designers and illustrators and photographers and uh, brands that we work with. So it's sort of a catch-22. I don't know. Does the good outweigh the bad? Probably. But the bad is definitely there. What's, what's I mean, because there's Man Repeller and there's Leandra. Uh-huh. And both have 
so much influence. Leandra's in a quote unquote, and I, I hate this word influencer, right? Mm-hmm. How do you think about the designation. I have a question. Why do you think we hate the word influencer so much? It's like, like, I, I also always cringe at it, but and there's no better word other than like person with large social following, but that's too many syllables. Um, what, what do you think is so dirty about it? Do you think that it's just that it like infers and connotes a sense of getting paid to live? I think influencer as an aspiration is a dangerous thing because you're living to, you're living to, you know show a life Uh that is made for to be broadcast you know i think Mm -hmm. there are influencers who are influencers because you know fill in the blank they have great style they take great photos they've done interesting things and then but i think it's i think there's just influencer as an aspiration for you know even kids that are like in high school and middle school right now is actually a thing right and that, it's sort of like the equivalent that's really kind of, of spooky the early aughts reality television star right famous just for being famous kind of yeah i mean but it's not i mean i yeah, it's not I don't think it's like frowned upon. I just think it's like there's no better word. Um and having yeah. influence is always a great thing. You can get great dinner reservations. Um <laughs> I have not learned that yet. <laughs> but like how do you think about, you know, what's man repeller and what's Leandra? Is that just like too philosophical of a question or do you is that like a a clear I don't know. That's I. Yeah, I mean, Man Repeller is a small scale media company, and Leandra's a human. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The the where it gets a little foggy is because Man Repeller is kind of an influencer in its own right. I know that sounds funny, but the way that it is packaged and sold is not as if it's a traditional new media brand. It's much more as if it itself is a living and breathing organism. Uh, our traffic or the number that we look at, our metric for success is in engaged minutes, not necessarily page views or unique visitors. And the partners that we work with don't care as much about our views and visitors so much as they do engagement in the story and uh, brand recognition. And, you know, the, the audience is still quite small. We reach about a million and a half people each month, but it's a really, really dedicated and engaged audience. And, I mean, a million and a half people who are all in it sounds pretty damn good to me, you know? We'll have more with Leandra in a bit, but first I'd like to tell you about ZipRecruiter. Oh man, hiring people can be so much work. And the days of Craigslist job postings are over. If you're legit, you need to be using ZipRecruiter. You can post your job with one click to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. Oh my gosh, it's like a dating site for jobs. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And right now, our listeners can post your jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. If you're hiring, go to ZipRecruiter slash girlboss and you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash girlboss. And one more time, to try it free, go to ZipRecruiter.com, Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R.com slash girlboss. And now back to Leandra Medine, who's done her share of hiring at Man Repeller 2. 
tell me about how you work with brands. You know, I'm sure that's evolved over the years, but you know, what kind of brands do you like to work with? And, you know, how do you how do you talk to them about, you know, what it is that you guys do, the variety of, of opportunities just, you know, for for our listeners who may have a blog or, you know, some type of media that they want to monetize. I think yeah. de- demystifying that's important. So our manrepeller.com is still almost entirely an ad-sponsored business. The only other way in which we generate revenue is through affiliate links uh, and some collaborations, but that's such a small piece of the pie that it's, it's not even worth throwing in. But when I say ad-sponsored, I don't necessarily mean banner ads, or I don't mean that at all. The content that we produce for brands is all native or custom content. It's almost like we operate as a studio or an agency, and sometimes even as a consultant for the brands that come to us. Some of our most successful partnerships have included a video that we produced for Chanel last fall. It was to help them launch a new skincare product called Solution 10. And that video performed so well that Chanel actually, Chanel's beauty team actually uses it in their orientation when they have new employees coming into the company. (laughs) Another one of my favorite companies to work with in the fashion space is Gucci because they're always so down and so interested in, you know, letting us run free and sort of get wild with what we're producing for them. But basically what I'm trying to say is that the greatest benefactors of our partnerships are the brands who let us run free and do what we want and not the ones who try to micromanage the creative process. Mm -hmm. Because that's a problem that you see with fashion brands time and time again is they're really, really protective of their brand equity. And because we're a luxury brand too, we're protective of ours. And so sometimes there's a little bit of butting heads that happen there, you know, and we end up thinking like, well, if you wanted a campaign that speaks so acutely to the brand that you've already not built, but executed in the most recent campaign that you ran, why'd you come to us? You know? Yeah, a lot of them just want to slap. I mean, not the brands that we work with, not so much, but, you know, it seems like the world is shifting from a world where, you know, brands are getting slapped on everything to brands are having conversations with people. And that's been happening for a while, but with, you know, all of this fake news and then alleged fake news and programmatic and bots and, you know, machines that are pretending to be people and driving up, you know, you know, view counts and um, things are things are shifting. Yeah, no, we aren't either. Back to the influencer thing. What advice would you have for someone who's like, damn, I really want to be an influencer? I would ask them why, first of all just to figure out what their goals were. Because oftentimes when you're talking to someone who's younger who says they want to be X, what they mean is usually Y. They just don't know how to actually get there, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's it's totally okay if you want to be an influencer. I think that's a, a fine thing to aspire towards. And according to social media, it looks like such a wonderful life anyway, right? It's like here are these people being – flown business class and first class on these fantastic trips wearing all these incredible clothes and always eating these like really fresh looking eggs you know yeah I mean I I see that stuff and I'm like some of these people like have to hang out with people that they like didn't choose to hang out with on these vacations you know like these people that like Revolve flies across the world, for example. Like, 
are they all really friends? Like, or I think they become friends with each other. And look, that's great too. That's really fun. But my friend Max, who works with me and helps me manage my personal partnerships, always jokes that I would be the worst full-time influencer because I hate leaving New York. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. And I think probably the reason I don't have a hard time or any trouble being called an influencer is because in many ways I feel that I've quote unquote proven my smarts because I've built a business in mm-hmm. addition to becoming an influencer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're, I mean, you're arguably one of the first, if not the first to do that, you know, outside of. Yeah, definitely among the early adopters. Back in 2010, when Leandra launched Man Repeller, fashion blogging was still in its nascent stage. But things have changed. I asked Leandra to talk to us about what she thinks is next for the fashion industry. I think it's a really exciting time to be in fashion and that the people who are cracking under pressure and feeling super anxious about what's going to be and what's going to happen and are we ever going to recover from this are scared and reasonably scared because it's impacting the lives of so many people and their salaries. But from this sort of like huge puddle of confusion is going to emerge a revolution. We're like inside a revolution right now on the brink of change. And I think that's so incredibly exciting and there's opportunity pouring out of every angle of the industry. And I'm really excited about the brands who see that and who are recognizing that. Where do you think that opportunity is, you know, for for someone who wants to get into fashion? Like where would you tell them to go look? You don't have to go look anymore. If you have an idea and you think it's a good one, you can kind of just make it happen. There's so little structure in fashion right now, or there's so much structure on the one hand, but it's so flawed that as a result, it feels like there's no structure. And so I think, for example, someone like Virgil Abloh is a perfect example of a fashion designer who's been like, I have an idea and I have a vision and I want to do this differently and I'm going to do it differently. And the way that fashion has embraced him is so wonderful and so exciting. I think that's true of my friend Rosie also, who launched with a resort collection, which is unheard of, you know, and she only shows two times a year. And it's really fun to see the designers who are not taking old house traditions so seriously or themselves frankly and really just leaning into what they feel like makes sense you know this this comes back to gut again you guys have a shoe line as well yeah I do I'm so I'm actually rebranding the shoe line is going to be called Leandra Medine starting for fall winter 18 which is when we open up to wholesale Amazing. But you've already sold on Net-A-Porter. Was that your exclusive kind of launch partner? Yeah, we launched with Net-A-Porter. They had an exclusive on the first four collections. So the fourth collection is going to drop... Probably by the time this episode airs, it will have it will have launched already. Ooh, I can't wait. And it's been such an exciting and cool experience. But to be honest, I think that the price point is a little bit too high for a Man Repeller product. Hmm. So we're going to rebrand it and call it Leandra Medine. And there is the prospect of product in the future for Man Repeller too, but at a much more accessible price point. Hmm. What other categories get you excited? Footwear is fun. Footwear is so fun. I'm really interested in small leather goods also, but not actually leather. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, like toiletry pouches that you actually wear as evening mm-hmm. clutches. 
and satin zip pouches and stuff like that. Like all these little trinkets that you really don't need, but that you you really want that feel like such a crazy, stupid indulgence. Mm -hmm. And so I think about how to, to make those indulgences happen at a price point that allows you to be an impulse shopper without guilt. I'm also super into accessories, you know, like hair things and socks and sunglasses and hats. I just, I love the accoutrements that you put over your person. Like I said, I've always had really low self-esteem and and accessories have been how I covered myself. Do you still have low self-esteem? Yeah, I sure do. (laughs) (laughs) How do you deal with that? Because you seem like a really confident, capable, smart, witty, well-spoken woman who's achieved a lot and... I think all of us, you know, run around with low self-esteem, but we look at people like you and your arm party and, and think, oh, my God, you know, she's got it all together. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, It's really hard. I go through phases, right? I mean, the last time you and I spoke privately, which was earlier in the summer, I was in a pretty dark place. I feel like I was asking you to like answer to map out my life for me. When we got coffee? I was like, here's the point that I'm mm-hmm. at now. Can you help me get to the next point? And where is that, by the way? Is it even on this map? Yeah, you, it's hard to chart that course. Yeah, it's really, really hard to chart that course. Um, I don't... Have you made progress since then? Yeah, I think so. Here's what I'm learning is that I've always had a very intimate relationship with negative self-talk. You know, so the conversations that occur in my head are very rarely positive ones. You know, I'm always I'm always asking myself why I didn't do better or why I couldn't be smarter or why I don't look more like this or act more like that. And often when I've I've noticed this in my own acquisition patterns, you know, like I'll fawn so much over a garment or a piece of jewelry and then I'll finally figure out a way to get it. And then once I have it, I don't feel like it's special anymore because it belongs to me, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas the thing itself is still really beautiful and, and something to be excited about, but because it's mine, it loses value. And thank God I haven't done this with my husband because he's such a special and precious person. But I've seen the ways that I do this in my life. You know, even this is, you know, even when I think about how I'm hiring and, and when I'm, when I'm among the, the most interesting and compelling and exciting candidates, I'm like, well, why would this person want to work for me? You know, why would this person want to want to come work at Man Repeller? But over the last like two or three months, I've really been forcing myself out of that pattern because it, it has abused me for the past like two years, you know, and I think that it has, thank God I haven't crashed and burned and the company hasn't crashed and burned, but I think that part of the reason that growth has been a little bit slower for us is because I've had to deal with a lot of these psychological hangups. Yeah, that self-talk is so pervasive. And I mean, I go to sleep with it. I wake up with it. I I exercised it out at least for the next few hours today. Holy shit. It's been a while since I went to the gym. But I bought a book recently called The Untethered Soul. Oh, that's such a good one. (laughs) Yeah, Have you read it? I sure have, twice. Yeah, it's so good. Just, you know, thinking about your self-talk as a person that you actually have to hang out with and how much you would hate being around that person. 
and yeah. visualizing that person saying those things to you and giving you the worst advice like your boyfriend didn't text you because he hates you and then the, and then the same voice telling you 5 minutes later like you know you're beautiful and special and of course your boyfriend <laughs> loves you like you wouldn't take advice from that person so why would you totally let that inside your head there's and, actually yeah. Michael Singer the writer of that book actually also has another book called The Surrender Experiment and that one's been really helpful for me also and seminal in my getting back into meditation. How often do you meditate? I try to meditate every day. I used to do it twice a day, but now I'm lucky if I get it in once. What kind of meditation do you do? I used to do transcendental meditation, and when I don't have headphones, I still do TM, but I'm really into Headspace also, that app. Mm-hmm. I like Headspace. The guided meditations feel a little bit easier, and I need boundaries. You know, I, I work really well within boundaries, and I like instructions, which is funny for someone who <laughs> is, is, like, trying to paint the world using their own brush, but whatever. <laughs> so you wrote a book. You wrote a book, gosh, when was it? Was it 2013? I wrote a book when I was 22. That was like the first big project that I worked on. I actually spent the majority of my honeymoon writing that book, which was so dumb. And it's called Finding Love, Seeking Overalls. Yeah, Seeking Love, and Finding Overalls. What was that experience like? And what is it like looking back on that experience? Uh, The experience was very typical of any writerly experience, which is that no writer likes to write while they're doing it, but they do like to have written, you know? Mm -hmm. So once the manuscript was in, I was like, that's cool. I'm going to be a 22-year-old published author. It's a big deal. But the reason writing the book was a really, I think, important experience for me is because I didn't do it with a literary agent. I the I went straight to the publishing house and therefore it was, you know, they assigned me an editor and I worked directly with that editor and there was no liaison between me and the editor. And I was still young and pretty impressionable and therefore every edit that this woman would give me, I took as fact and implemented. Mm. And what I ended up with was a product that felt so unlike my own voice and tone her name's not on the book. Mine is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was really my duty to push back and be like, no, this is staying in the book. This joke is supposed to be here. This chapter was written like this and is about this because, and I'm not covering that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do that because I didn't know that I could. I hadn't like learned of my agency yet or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And since then, have you? do you have a literary agent? Do you have people guiding you and making sure that you know, the powers that be that you may collaborate with on the outside or that you're protected and, and, and guided? I don't have a literary agent now because I'm not working on my next book yet, but I definitely know that there's another book in me. And when I do reach that point, I will definitely hire a literary agent. In an increasingly saturated space, Man Repeller continues to hold court as one of the biggest and most recognizable brands in the space. So I asked Leandra, what's next? This question is always really funny to me because I feel <laughs> like I'm doing so much that I can't even imagine what's next because like, I'm, I'm, I'm like juggling so many balls right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's not a very satisfying answer. I'm really interested in what a physical manifestation of Man Repeller looks like. Mm. And I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if that's a print magazine or if that's coffee shops or if that's a product line or if it's all of that stuff. But I 
I love our website so much and I think it's such a beautiful and sparkling example of the good that can exist on the internet. And I don't want it to be bigger than it is. You know, I don't want to produce more than four to seven stories a day. Mm. But that's just not a big enough business to sustain my hunger. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we grow around manrepeller.com? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm really excited about figuring that out. Cool. One thing that we talk about a lot at Girl Boss and the nut we're trying to crack that's really uncrackable is what what is success? You know, we uh-huh. live and are working in this paradigm that was not built for us, was built, you uh-huh. know, by and for, you know, largely, you know, these... The man? Yeah, the man. Stick it to the man. The man in the suit. Um, uh-huh. And so everyone has their different, you know, definition of success. What would you say yours is? I think for me, success is, and maybe this is just because I have dealt with so much anxiety and depression over the past two years because of how hard growing my family has been. But I think for me, success is waking up in the morning and feeling supercharged, like so eager for the day. You know, if I could wake up every morning and feel like I am supposed to be here, the earth is not rejecting me, that's enough. Before Leandra left our conversation, I asked her to tell me about her most recent girl boss moment. All of the moments in which I'm not procrastinating, in which I'm adri- like facing my inbox head on and doing what I need to do exactly when I need to do it, are when I feel the most powerful and like I'm living for myself. And I've been feeling like that a lot over the past two weeks. I've just like not been afraid of my inbox and not been afraid to reach out to people who, again, I I would otherwise not reach out to and to ask questions that I wouldn't usually ask. So I I feel like it's, I'm I'm essentially trying to live by this Mm -hmm. girl boss mantra. Liberation through work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, right? But it's also, it's kind of wild how procrastinating and pushing it away and trying to remove yourself from it and to get further away from it is precisely the thing that makes it worse. Gives you the most anxiety, I know. Yeah. Leandra, where can we find you in Man Repeller, even though we already know? You can find us on so many digital portals, (laughs) least not being your very own browser, www.manrepeller.com. Or on Instagram at manrepeller and at mr in my cart, which is our new account for uh, shopping addicts. It's just it's a whole panoply of stuff that we want to buy. I love it. Curated for you by us. You can also find us on Twitter at manrepeller and on Facebook at manrepeller. Or you can come to 181 Mott Street, which is where our office is at. Oh, no. We'll be here. (laughs) It's okay. It's publicly listed. Okay. So, you know. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on Girl Boss Radio. I look forward to seeing you at the Girl Boss Rally soon. Thank you. Thank you again to Leandra from Man Repeller and to Jericho for joining me today. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Sophia Amoruso. You can find me at Sophia, A-M-O-R-U-S-O. That's Sophia with a P-H. And you can find Girl Boss anywhere Girl Bosses are found. <laughs>